Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So could Jameis Winston become the first member of the 30-30 club in the National Football League as a quarterback? You know, 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. And will the Bucks bring him back for 2020? What's wrong with the Tampa Bay Lightning? It may not be John Cooper's fault, but will he pay the price for the slow start? And will the raise offseason moves pay off this spring and summer? We'll discuss all of that and more with Tom Jones, my former radio partner and longtime columnist with the Tampa Bay Times, now with the Pointer Institute on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, before we get started, we want to wish you all a Merry Christmas or Happy Hanukkah or just hoping that you have a safe and healthy holiday season we appreciate you all listening to us each week monday through friday all right tom jones joins us now also known as nostra thomas i thought your prediction would come true it looked for all the world that the bucks were going to run the proverbial table and then i got winston (laughs) (laughs) i got james whichever verb you want to use You did. You uh, did. Four interceptions, oh uh, one touchdown the other night, or the other day, I should say. And, uh, boy, what a what a terrible performance. But, you know, a lot of people say, you know, look, they only lost by a field goal to a playoff team in the Houston Texans. So he brought them back, so to speak. But, yeah, man, it looked like it looked like your prediction was going to come true. I thought so. I was, I, and even was looked like the other day it was going to come true. But let me look. I know this is your podcast, but I'm going to bring up something. It's, an, it's it involves. No, I'm not my podcast. It involves <laughs> you. No, it involves you here ultimately yeah. because I think you and I have always been on the same page when it comes to Jameis, as far as on the field, off the field. The Bucks have already made their decision. So whatever just you know has gone on off the field, you know the the Bucks have reconciled themselves with that. And have decided, okay, they can live with him as their quarterback. And then, and then over the past couple of years, he's played the way he's played. I think you and I have always been on the same page when it comes to Jameis. Where, yeah, he makes mistakes, but what else is better out there? You got to stick with him. And the other day, so I'm watching a game on Saturday, and I start off watching at the gym, and I literally look around the gym. I'm on the treadmill, and I see the first play, the first pick six, and I see three other guys on the treadmill la- all start laughing. We all of us were cracking up. Like it was like, can you believe this is not real? And the game, you wouldn't believe that one game would change minds. But here's what I'm getting back to you, Rick. So Saturday night they lose the game. I go online Saturday night to read your story, and for the first, and correct me if I'm wrong. I'm read, and I think I know you well enough. I'm reading it, and for the first time, it felt like you were like, mm, I don't think it's the guy. I think you can't – I don't know if you were saying they need to move on, but it was the first time I'd really seen – and I, I feel I'm right with you on this. And that's why I'm saying we're, we've always been in lockstep with Jameis. It, when I read your your column the other night, I feel, really felt like you were saying, yeah, this isn't going to work. I think what, what, I, what I was attempting to say is that the Bucks have to decide, um, and it's, it's, it's such a difficult decision for them because – you know, like everybody, you see the playmaking ability, but it's been five years, right? They brought Bruce Arians in here 
this was it's interesting because always before Tom, you knew when they hired a coach, whether it was Dirk Cutter, it was it was continuity for Jameis. You know, Lovey Smith drafted Jameis, built around Jameis. And if it didn't work, if Jameis didn't win, the team didn't win, they're gonna fire the coach. This is the first time I felt like, you know what, if this doesn't work, they're gonna fire the quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's a difference, right? It's like, right, well, Bruce right. Arians, he's an established, look, he's got Ben Roethlisberger and Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck and Carson Palmer. If you can't play under this guy, right, then it's your fault, okay? And I feel like there's a little bit of that. Now, he's wildly entertaining. <laughs> oh, no doubt I mean, about that. I mean, you you literally, like like Rudin used to say, I tell you what, man, it's a ride on the Shikra. You know what I mean? <laughs> you need motion sickness medicine. To, play, to, to watch these Bucks games now. I mean, they are wild, right? They are up and down, and he's never out of it. And that's that's sort of the exciting part. But also just to, to, just to, you know, to see him. I mean, who's, who's ever done this, Tom? You tell me. Have you ever – first of all, no quarterback would get the opportunity. Okay, let's start that's there. That's true. Yeah. But, but, but what quarterback could throw his first pass in four games and have them intercepted? Or his first series end in interceptions in six games? Or have six pick sixes in the same season. It's crazy. I've, ne- I've never seen anything like this. No, you're absolutely right. I'm watching these games, and I've never seen anything like it. And, I, and, and all these things come through at the same time. And I thought you had another really good point in your story the other day, which is, okay, they, he, he's played really well. He's overcome uh, a lot of turnovers in the last six weeks or five weeks or however many it's been since they went on their little run here. And yet – they're playing some bad teams, too. Now, your schedule is what your schedule is. You can't you, apologize right. for who you play, right? No, you play who but you play. But you can also you can put it in perspective and say when you do this against good teams, right. bad quarterback play loses to good football teams. Right, and I'm not even sure Houston's that good a team. I think they're, they're not. They're, they're an okay team. Um, and and so when, I, when I'm watching Jameis play the way he's playing, it, and, yeah, it's exciting, and it's, you know, I'm telling you, it's, reading Twitter during Jameis' oh performance my. is – so much fun, but it's I, like I said, I was reading your story the other day. Look, there are usually two types of people in town when it comes to Jameis Winston. I'm talking yes. about media and uh, mm-hmm. fans. I mean, you have you have your people who are staunch Jameis defenders, and a lot Absolutely. of it for some of them it goes back. They wear Florida State jammies to bed because they've mm-hmm. fallen back at Florida State, and he can mm-hmm. do no wrong. And then you got another side, I admit, where people just hate Jameis so much they want him out of here just because they. Those are people who. You know, as soon as something goes wrong with anything, they want to. They want to. You know, they want Kevin Cash fired if they. You know, if, if they lose a game in the ninth inning to somebody, even on their way to ninety six wins. Those are people. You know, so I get all that, but there are also these. Like you, for you and I, we've always been in the middle on Jameis. Like we we acknowledge his flaws, we don't defend him, and yet we also see how good he is. And like I said, for the first time, when I read you the other night, and it wasn't like I felt like you were saying he's a bum, get rid of him. I, that's not right. the sense I got. But it was the sense of – it was almost like you're saying <clears throat> like you were knocking on the, on somebody's door over there, Jason Light or the Glazers or Bruce Arians saying, hey, you got a minute? And then going in there and saying, <laughs> are, you, are you sure about this? Are you really sure you well, want to go forward with this guy? I mean, but listen, I, look, I and I'm convinced a little bit, um, maybe more than a little bit, that they will probably bring him back in some form in 2020. I, I think it'll probably be a franchise tag. Now, you know, we'll discuss in a minute what you would do if you had to uh, make a decision on him and or Shaq Barrett. But, you know, it, it at the end of the day, <laughs> as they say, um, everybody's going to go with, you know, well, who who's better? And I get that argument. I really do. 
And yet, I will bet you a dollar to a donut that even if Jameis comes back, there will be a young quarterback that they think they can develop into a starter on this football team next Ooh. year. That's I will bet you. And I don't know if they take uh, him in the first round. I don't know if they take him in the second round. But you know what, Tom? Somebody found Russell Wilson in the third round. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to go to the Tom Brady example because he's the GOAT and no one's yeah. going to find another Tom Brady in the sixth round. But somebody found Russell Wilson, right? Lamar Jackson lasted to the end of the uh, of what the first round, mm-hmm. right? Yep, yep. I, I mean, there are guys every year that people overlook time and time. Patrick Mahomes, we watched Chicago and, and, and uh, Mitch Trubersky, you know, <laughs> go up against uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes and the damn Bears traded up to number two for a guy that played one season in North Carolina. And oh, by the way, Eight picks later, Kansas City takes Patrick Mahomes, and and that kid in Chicago will wear that the rest of his life. As oh, will yeah. every Bears fan will remind people. I thought it was great. There was there's a dude. I only saw the picture on Twitter. He's got a Bears jersey, customized Bears jerseys with Mahomes on the back of it and his number. Mm. It was the ultimate. Yes. <sighs> yeah. You know, but I mean that's that's. But my point is, there are guys every year. Deshaun Watson. Did not get picked in the you know first right, five right, right. picks. Yeah, I mean, so I I do believe that even if he comes back, that you just can't put all the eggs in that basket. You know what I mean? That you have to say, okay, cool. If he hits it now in his second year in the Bruce Arians, and the, and the interceptions go down and the wins go up because we're a better football team and we get to the playoffs, that's great. Let's sign him to a long term deal. But I I think where they're at is stuck right in the middle. You know what I mean? And I mean on this coaching staff because I talked to all of them, and I'm telling you. The way we talk about him, the pendulum swings that way in the office, too. The, the reason we're all stuck in the middle is because, Rick, this is never going away. I don't think it's ever going away. I think he will always be a guy. We've, we've talked about this. He'll never be Aaron Rodgers. He'll, never, he'll throw 26 touchdown passes in a year. He'll throw 30 touchdown passes in a year. He's never going to throw two interceptions. He's going to throw double. At best, you mm-hmm. hope that he can cut him in half. Imagine if he cut his interceptions in half. Oh, if he was he two have, to one, you would take it, right? He'd I mean, still he's end got, up with fourteen or thirteen, yeah. or fourteen, which is which is again he's, a little. Tommy's going to be a thirty thirty guy. That's that is crazy. not a, that was a good thing in baseball, but he's two interceptions shy of joining, being the first and ever quarterback to have thirty touchdowns and thirty interceptions. Crazy! It's absolutely crazy. And and so when I when I look at it, I can understand it shouldn't. We shouldn't be in week. 16 still undecided but that's what he does these games are so awful when he has awful games that you can't help but say oh my gosh but i'm with you on the the other part too is like okay who else is there and i boy you really you're starting from scratch if you if you go out and get a guy out of college and and think you're going to win with them that's the other part is rick like they're close i think they're really close you hate to see him waste what is Obviously, two of the best receivers they've ever had at the same time, mm-hmm. and Mike right. Evans and Chris Godwin. Um, right. They typically their tight ends are better than they were the other day. Cam Braid, Cam Braid had that huge draw. He's a good tight end, and I'm. Uh, we'll see about OG Howard here, but um, their defense. You wrote about it in Monday's Times. They're all of a sudden their defense is like. Look, that's the reason they were in that game the other day. You can talk all you want about James oh, yeah. back. That defense is what. It's is the best what, thing that Bruce Arians has brought to Tampa. Right. You know? So, I mean, there's a part of you that says, I might be willing to start over if right. if you were if you were 4-12 and, 12 and right. you were losing these games. But the fact that you went 8-8, eight and eight, you were within a couple of plays of going 10-6 and six or 11-5, and, mm-hmm. and if you just cut down a couple of the turnovers, maybe you do go 11-5, and five, you're that close. It's, it's not like... You know, but isn't like that, but you're describing the problem and this, and, and you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like, no, yeah, yeah. 
like it's you know I'm I'm sorry it's Jerry Maguire it's you know it's but he's so close to being the man that he <laughs> wants to be that's you know right. like like and that's the Glazers I mean that's where the Glazers are and look this is an ownership decision they're going to get a recommendation from Bruce Arians and I'm I'm going to guess since Bruce is you know is not a spring chicken that maybe he doesn't He's not like he told us the other day. He goes, "Look, I'm not afraid of rookie quarterbacks or playing them if you get the right one." You know, that's his whole thing. Like, you get the right one, I'm cool with it. You know, there was a time when Ben Roethlisberger won a Super Bowl as a rookie. Yep. Right. Uh, so, well, I don't know. I or went, second year. Second. He went, yeah, he went deep. He went in the play. He went, the, he went fifteen went the playoffs and one as a rookie. As a rookie. Yeah. yeah, he went right. But, and but he did. He won a Super Bowl when he was really not Ben Roethlisberger yet. Right. That's you know, true. Andrew Luck did okay as a rookie. But but there's not a lot of those guys, right? So you got to be drafting usually usually pretty high, you know. But Deshaun Watson got his team to the playoffs. I mean, there you know there's there's examples. Um, Patrick Mahomes sat on the bench one year behind Alex Smith and then played. Uh, so he's not afraid of the young guy, but just show me the right one. That's his whole thing. Right. But I'm but I but I imagine that you know there will be a conversation and they got to tell and it's the owners it's the ownership decision and the owners. I'm telling you, they love this guy. Well, love and is I, not too and strong I, of a word. And I understand why they love him because he has those moments where he is really exciting. And the only thing that, that no one can do, though, no one can go into the Glacier's office and said, I'm going to fix these turnovers. Don't worry about that. Like, that's not nope. going to happen. Nope. I don't believe that's going to happen because these are the type of turnovers. It's he, you know, he recognizes he has a problem. He still goes out and, and does it. I'm not saying he's going to. I think this year was crazy. 20. He's on his way to maybe, like you said, throwing 30. 30. I don't I no, I don't think that's I would like to think that would not happen again. <laughs> really? But I mean like, again, it's don't don't expect you're gonna cut him, you know. Let I mean, me if ask you, cut you this him question. Down, you're gonna cut him in half, maybe. Yeah. Let me ask you this question. And it, it's it's existential type question, but could it be that Bruce Arians was the worst thing for Jameis Winston? How like how so? That he removed any competition. Mm-hmm. There was nobody that was going to threaten him. There was no threat of him ever coming out of the game, out of the lineup, not starting for performance. Uh, that he stood up there and said, look, uh, this interception is not on Jameis. Guy ran about route here. Guy missed a block there. Right? right? I mean, that he emboldened this guy to the point where – and he, and what would, what would Jameis, when he came to the sideline after getting yelled at, what would he say to Jameis? Keep on slinging it, baby. Yeah. I think uh, I see. I think it's a legitimate question. I ultimately think if I'm Bruce Arians, I walked into this situation. I saw the way he was handled last year. You know, he had, and I realized the suspension was a big part of it. But he had the suspension, and then Fitzpatrick and he got benched. Played, yeah, then, but then he got benched again. Then he came back again. He just got jerked around. And that didn't work. So maybe Bruce Arians looked at it and said, "Okay, that that you know, jerking him in and out of lineup is is really not going to work for for him." Mm-hmm. Um, he. Uh, but here's the thing, Wake, with Jameis, like he doesn't lack for confidence. It's not like he goes into well, games no. and, and is even when he's threatened of being pulled out of a game, which he's he got was too a year much. Ago. I mean, he thinks he yeah. can throw through a keyhole, you know? Right. right. And I don't know, boy. I mean, you would almost like to. I would wonder what those film sessions are like, and I don't know if they have them like this, but oh, they have them. I mean, I would just like to to sit there and go, James. Okay, let's go. Let's go through these. Like, what are you thinking on this play? And I look. I agree with Bruce Arians. There were plays where I'm sure receivers ran route, bad routes, and well, you know, sure things it happens. Happened. But but Tom, that but happens. They also every dropped about the fifteen. I can remember about ten drops this year that should have been interceptions. There could have been picks, and then again, I always say this. 
show me the quarterback in the NFL where a guy doesn't run a bad route or yes, they don't yeah. miss a block. Right. I mean, it just. I mean, we're talking apples to apples here, aren't we? Don't all yeah. the other quarterbacks play in the same league? Right. No, you're right. What happens to them? Is he the only guy? But nonetheless, it's not like this guy is without talent. I mean, they have they have to the detriment of the defense. They have drafted and developed guys around him, whether that's offensive linemen that they resigned, or you know the two wide receivers or the tight ends that they have. I mean, it's not like you know there are a lot of guys that can throw the football in the National Football League to these receivers, and they would catch the ball there too. Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's an unbelievable. I've never experienced anything like it in the years that I've covered the Bucks. I've never, you know, Josh Freeman, we knew what his holes were, and they were as much off the field as they were on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's um, it. Like with Josh, the jo- I always had a problem with Josh's leadership abilities. I, right, right. He, he was too much of, uh, he said we when he should have said I, and he said I when we should have said yeah. we. Yeah, you know? and I don't even know if he loved football, to be right. honest with you. Jameis loves football. He's a leader. Somebody was asking me the other day, I think I was talking to one of my kids, and they said, what does his teammates think of him? I go, they love him. They love they him. They love Jameis Winston. But Maybe you know that's what why else? the Blazers love him, too. It, well, they do, and again, they see the potential. And he does, he does do a lot of things off the field. I know people you know, think poorly of him because of the decisions he's made um, off the field, but he, he truly does spend time with kids and charity and all this stuff. Um, but, you know, you, you, can't, you, know, you just can't get around the fact that, you know, even if his, even if his teammates, if, if we're having this debate, and I promise you coaches do because I know they do, Right, the same talk we're having now. They talk about. Don't you think there's guys in that locker room that say, "Man, this guy. If we could just, if he would just, you know, maybe, maybe somebody. I mean, at some point, these guys are watching their careers go by with no playoff appearances, and they're seeing they're seeing a guy turn the ball over, twenty eight interceptions, more than a hundred. What is it like a hundred and thirteen points scored off of his turnovers alone in an NFL season, when games are decided by three or six? You don't think there's players in that locker room that are going, hmm. No, there are. There are. And I mean, you're, talk, you're talking about a 30-year points are given up because of one guy. Yeah. And, 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 and that defense has played well enough that it could, have been, it could even have been worse than that. I, I, I think the discussion they need to have, Rick, is you, you really need to look around. And ultimately, this is what it comes down to, and it's what you and I talk about all the time. I'm all for firing coaches if you can just name, okay, who, who are you replacing them with? I'm all for yeah. firing quarterbacks as long as you tell me at least have an idea, a general idea of like, here's who I'm going to bring in instead. If it's mm-hmm. just going to be we're going to get rid of this guy because we can't win with him, and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, who do we get? And then you're right. going out and you're signing some, you know, Case Keenum or somebody like that, that or you know, or hoping to luck into somebody. That's not going to work. I think right. Rick, I, I don't, I don't think they have a choice here. I think they have to bring him back. I just don't know what else. What else they can do unless unless you you I think you franchise them and then and then draft somebody if somebody's there to be drafted. Let me ask you this. Yeah, I know what you're. You can only franchise one player. Let's say the the CBA comes and they don't have two tags because you only have two tags if there's the last year of the the collective bargaining agreement 2020. Let's say they make a deal. The NFL signs an extension with their players union and you have one franchise tag and that's it. Shaq Barrett or or Jameis Winston. That's a good question, uh, and because what we always say, you know, the two things you need are a quarterback and somebody to get after the quarterback, and that's the yeah. best guy they've had to get after the quarterback since Simeon Rice. Uh, right. I still think Rick. At the end of the day, I'm, I I need a quarterback. I can yeah. I can be mediocre everywhere except for quarterback. If you look at the teams that are going to make the playoffs, and particularly the teams that are going to um, have the best chance of winning a Super Bowl, 
you know, yeah. in the AFC, you're looking at Baltimore, I guess, Kansas City, and probably still New England is, is still mm-hmm. at least in the conversation. When you look at their quarterbacks, you're talking about, um, you know, Tom Brady and, and Jackson and uh, Patrick Mahomes. And then you look in the NFC, who are, who are your top teams over there? Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, Aaron um, Rodgers and uh, Russell Wilson and Jimmy Garoppolo who's having a nice season. Mm-hmm. I mean, even even the teams that are that are like mediocre, like we went into yesterday with Dallas and Philadelphia. Minnesota. This, Minnesota with Kirk Cousins, who's been playing pretty well. But even like Kansas or uh, Philadelphia and, and Dallas have had bad seasons and, and had a, their quarterbacks have been okay, you know. Uh, the Steelers are end up going to not make the playoffs – and instead, probably Tennessee is, and it's because Tennessee's quarterback's been a little bit better than Pittsburgh's quarterback. Tannehill's been better than whoever the Steelers have thrown out there. So, uh, ultimately, you know, I, I, you, I, think about what you just said. I mean, you could have gotten Ryan Tannehill for for very little, right? Uh, yeah. And they benched who? Yeah, no, they benched a guy that everybody. And said they're going to do what? Yeah, make the playoffs with yeah. Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. See, I mean. Look, well, and, and that's no what I'm saying. If you can fight, if that guy's out there, if but you that guy's always have, out there. There's well, I mean, thirty-two. If it's I mean, Teddy Bridgewater or whomever, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, it, my point is, and I'm not. Look, I'm not. I will not say because I don't think it's my place to say what they should or shouldn't do with Jameis Winston. Um, I will tell you what the factors are, though. But see, I disagree with you in this, and I always did with coaches too. Don't tell me who you're going to get because. When you say that, you're saying it has to be somebody I know that is proven that has won before. Yeah. And those guys aren't out there, okay? Like, coaching-wise, you could say, okay, well, you know, what about Mike McCarthy? You know, like, you can always go back to a guy, but but find me the second acts that work in football, right? I mean, there's right. just not a ton of them. They don't – I don't know that any coach has gone to a Super Bowl with one team and then won a Super Bowl with another team. You know what I mean? One, right. one with two different – I don't even know that that's out there. So my point is, is that – Damn it, it's your job. You get paid money to find these guys. I mean, quarterbacks, are, are they don't grow on trees, and that's what everybody says, but there's a hell of a big forest out there. Find the right one. You know, it's like they, these kids throw the ball now in seven-on-seven tournaments more than any, any generation of our lives, and, you know, the college game, they're producing. You know, who thought Kyler Murray could play? You know what? He can play. Yeah. You know, he can yeah, really he can. play. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they're – there are guys every year that, you know, um, Jalen Hurts, somebody's going somebody's gonna to draft the quarterback from Oklahoma and say, well, what do we do with him? Well, Lamar Jackson showed you what you can do with him, you know? And I'm not saying yeah. he's Lamar Jackson, but my every year there are these guys that it's up to the team, you know, to, to draft and develop and figure out who the players are. So I don't – I never – I was talking to Dan Orlovsky about this, and everybody says, well, who the hell is Dan Orlovsky? You know, he played 12 years as a, as a backup quarterback, and that's fine, but his job is to evaluate quarterbacks for ESPN. And he said, and I just wondered what you think about that. He said, fear should never be a reason for keeping a guy. The fear of not of the unknown should never be the reason why that, no, you I stick like, with somebody who I can't like play. That. I like that. Uh, it's in fear, and also you shouldn't be afraid that he, that, that quarterback is going to go on and play somewhere else. And, and that's correct. Up. Yeah, that, I think that's – and I agree with that. I think you're right. I mean, my gut tells me, Rick, that – that it's not going to be this bad. That this is this is as bad as it gets. This, is, this is his worst. This is this his is high water worst. interception yes. mark. Yeah. This is now. My gut also tells me he's not. Like I said, he'll never be the the. He's always going to throw at least twelve interceptions. He's going to throw mm-hmm. one a game. If you go, if you can factor in average one a game, the, the what mm-hmm. they need to get him at is okay. He's still going to have his four interceptions games, maybe three of them a year, yeah. and you're going to lose those three. 
Right. But in the other 13 games, if you can just – if you can have about half of those not games, you don't throw them. any. Not lose Don't throw them, any, right. you know, and still throw for your 300-some right. yards. That's the thing, Rick. Like, I, you look around the league, and there aren't many guys who – and you think there are, but there really aren't. Because I, I watch that red zone every week now, and I'm telling you, there, there's a lot of bad quarterbacks in the NFL, guys that just – you know, they show flashes, but at the same time, there's, you know, you just can't win with them. I'm watching these teams. Carolina, like Carolina, like they can't win with that guy, like either guy. Hey, Brian, Will Greer played the other day. But even before that, that Allen kid, he, you can't win with that. Um, and so I look at Jameis and point, and you look at, and that's the thing, you look at Jameis go, I can win with that. I can, when he's on, when he's on, man, he's good, really good. And I think I can win with that. So I, yeah. I, and look, I, I'm the biggest, everybody knows my reputation when it comes to Jameis. I was the biggest non-believer in terms of, you know, off the field. And I thought they should, I, I even, I wrote several columns, get rid of the guy. And then, you know, that was over some other things, but clearly the Bucks have made the decision. Like, okay. Like I said, his, we're, we're okay with his off field. Um, they were then, and even more so now, I would assume since we, it would seem that he's been living a pretty straight and narrow in the last couple of years so i i think i think i would bring him back i just because and i and i maybe it's not the way to look at it but i just he's better than anything i've seen um, i really well to him. your point about Jameis, john romano wrote a column he kind of went through the games and and he you know decided whether the guy was responsible for the loss responsible for the win or sort of somewhere in between when he added him up and this makes sense to me um he kind of said that uh, he was the main reason for three losses, no doubt about it. He contributed heavily to two others, but he basically gets most of the credit for four victories and some of the credit for three three other wins. Uh, and there were three games where he really wasn't a factor either way, right? Right. So when you look at it from that standpoint, and, and this is the other thing, that, and this is to your point, two-thirds of his interceptions, 19 of the 28, were thrown in five games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that means that he averaged just one interception roughly in the other 10. So it's really not just cutting out the interceptions. It's cutting out those four, three, four interception games, those, you know, the multiple interception right. games that get you beat. And timing of them. They're just coming out in the first plays of the game. Yeah, first play that's, of the game, yeah. Well, that's what uh, Romano actually had a pretty good line, I thought, in Monday's Tampa Bay Times, which was like, can we get an opener for this guy? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> just somebody right. else to start the first series, and then we'll bring Jameis in after that. It's just unbelievable. So if the Bucks finish 8-8, eight eight, they beat the Atlanta Falcons, or maybe they go 7-9, but let's say they finish 8-8. Eight eight. Successful season for Bruce Arians? Or for no? Bruce Arians, yeah. Bruce Arians because I had a quarterback who threw darn near 30 interceptions <laughs> and I won true. eight games. Right. I mean, right. right. Did you listen to the first part of this podcast, Rick? <laughs> exactly. I, did. Yes. I, have a, uh, I have some things to fix. I have, to, I have an offensive line I need to patch up a little bit. I have a, uh, I have a running game I need to figure out. Um, but I, I fixed the defense, sort of, kind of. I think the defense is going to get better. Hopefully, if you're Bruce Arians, Todd Bowles is coming back. And um, and and hopefully you can keep keep a guy like Shaq Barrett around uh, if I'm Bruce, Bruce Arians. But, <clears throat> yeah, it's worth it's worth coming back. I think this division's ripe. I think Carolina's about to hit a, hit a dry spell mm-hmm. here. I think Atlanta's on its way down, even though they've played better lately under Dan Quinn. Um at Drew Brees, unless fired, Drew yeah. Brees is a vampire, I mean, eventually I, he might be. <laughs> I mean, eventually he's he's got a he's got a. You know what helped Drew Brees this year? Hurting his thumb. I'll tell you why. Remember the year that uh, they suspended Tom Brady for four games for a Deflategate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Best thing that ever happened to him. 
They, I mean, they went three and one with Garoppolo. Best thing that happened to Garoppolo, uh, Garoppolo and and or uh, Jacoby Brissett. Right. But you know what it did? It saved his old ass arm. Yeah. Drew Brees has more life in his arm than he would ever have at this point in the year because he didn't make throw make as many throws. You might have. You might be onto something there. Are they the team to beat in the NFC? Who's who's your team to beat in that you've seen so far in the, in the NFC? You like them or you like the Saints or you like San Francisco? Who's oh, I think it's going to be between the San Francisco and the Saints. Yeah. I really do. And I just I, don't that like the game, way San if you look at that game, that game was crazy when they played them in good. New Orleans. It was crazy good. I just don't like the way the 49ers are playing on defense right now. They they need to get that was their strength like early in the year. I think and their defense is their strength and and But lately uh, it's not been good. They got I I've always thought that their problem is going to be scoring points. You know, can they can they score get in these high scoring games now they managed to Somehow outscored New Orleans, who has a pretty good defense in New Orleans. So that taught me, that told me a lot because I don't think he has a lot of weapons outside of a tight end, yeah. maybe one receiver, kind of a committee of running backs. McGroppolo does a lot for that team that that probably goes under under the radar, but defensively they can hang with anybody. And then for the Super Bowl, I mean, I, I don't is anybody stopping Baltimore? I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, the only thing that can stop boy, I was watching the other day, Kansas City. Well, Kansas, Kansas City, I like the way they're playing. But I was watching Kansas, uh, Baltimore the other day, and Lamar Jackson was running. and Oh, I saw that hit. Man, he took a hit. He yeah. popped right up. But I'm yeah. saying, boy, oh, man, take it. you got to get out of bounds, partner. Yeah, you do. Don't mess. Don't do that again. That's yeah. the only thing that stops them. And That's Mark Ingram, he got hurt. So, I mean, if he were to have a long-term injury, that would be devastating for him, too. Right, he's, right. He's the other half of their offense. But I, I – uh, yeah, I like – I, I think New Orleans, I'm, I'm going to pick New Orleans to win it all, I, as much as that bothers me, just because I don't like Sean Payton. But <laughs> I don't. I don't like Sean Payton. Yeah, but you know what will happen this year. It'll be, it'll be a situation where the New Orleans Saints defensive back interferes with a receiver and no penalty is called. And then the Challenge other team it. reviews the penalty and actually gets the call that Sean Payton complained about a year ago, and then then karma comes back and bites the Saints that would, on the I'd match. be totally okay with that. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Love it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Let's talk about another team that seems to be a bit of a train wreck. Your Tampa Bay Lightning. Ugh. What the hell, man? I well, mean, the other... again, we're taping this before Monday night's yeah. game against the Panthers. So okay, like we, the last so, time we did that, yeah. they went out and they beat the Panthers. They so. went out and played their best game. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. And they may do so tonight, and they need to. And, and, and I, let's start – I mean, Andre Vasilevsky in particular needs to play well. Tom, I've, I've always you've always taught me that that Christmas is sort of the okay yeah. now it now it counts sort of of, of a milepost. Right. So here we are. Uh, if this team and look, they they don't have many more opportunities, but if this team is 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 what it has been to this point, are there going to be changes? Would, would should there be you know, whether it's players, uh, the coach, the the GM? Julian Breesbaugh, I mean, you can't just sit back and let this team sputter its way out of the playoffs this year. I don't think it's a coaching issue, but if you change, but I, but I don't know that you can change the players at this point. And right. if you change the coach, 
it might be worth the risk at this point. It might be worth it. That might be the it, it. It might be the only hope you have, even though I don't think it's John Cooper's fault. I right. think there, there's something. But he, he may pay for it, though. He may pay for it just because, like I said, yeah, you can't trade 18 guys. And and I right. and again, I don't think they could change the coaches. I don't think it's. I don't know that it's going to make a difference because there's something fundamentally wrong at this point. I said, I've told you a thousand times on this podcast, every time I come on here, I said, wait till Christmas. They're going to stumble and bumble their way around Christmas, and then after Christmas they're going to turn it on. And yet, I was watching that game the other night, Rick, and it's the first time in probably um, three years, even going back to the year that they I I was watching this game against Washington, and I thought, yeah, they're not going to win this game. They're just, they're just not. And part of it is Washington's better than they are. They're just not as good as the, as the Capitals. And unfortunately, I don't think there's a, there's about four other teams I don't think they're as good as. And if they were to play any of those teams in the playoffs, Caps in a seven-game series, Bruins in a seven-game series, um, the Islanders in a seven-game series, I don't know they'd beat any of those teams. And some of the other, te- other teams that are even banged up, like Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's really playing well. Um, I mean... Toronto. I think they'd have trouble in a seven-game series against Toronto. I'm looking around, Rick, and I'm just – I don't think there there's something wrong with them. I, and I don't know what it is. I don't know – you know, Steve and, and I and, and you were talking about this before the podcast. Maybe the league's caught up with, with the with the Lightning that, you know, they, they once upon a time were the fastest team in the league. Now you look at them play and everybody looks as fast as they are. I, Vasilevsky isn't playing well. I – I don't know like changing coaches is going to fix any of that, but I'm just watching the game the other night against Washington. And again, Washington might be the best team in hockey. I think they are. I think they are. Yeah. And so, but, well, you're going to have to beat them if you're going to win a cup, right? Which is your cup or bust is, is this year. So I'm, I'm just watching this team, Rick, and there's just, it just doesn't feel, it doesn't feel right. Like nobody seems like Kucherov had a good game the other night. I think Hedman's been really good. I think Victor Hedman's probably been their best player consistently. But Stan, you know, Stamkos at nights that sometimes looks his age, and he never was a fast guy to begin with. Braden Point doesn't look always like Braden Point. Uh, Tyler Johnson, Alex Kalorn's having a nice year, but Alex Kalorn, you know, he's a twenty goal scorer at best. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't know if he's ever scored twenty goals actually. No. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I'm just looking. I'm watching his team, and you know, they got a bunch of nice players. You know, the Seti Parkats and the Yanni Gordes, and the you know, it's just I. I don't know. I got a bad vibe about it. That, that's all. I just got a bad vibe about it. Could it be as simple as, and I don't, I'm not going to put it all on one guy, but we we just spent you know the greater part of a half hour dissecting the, the Bucks' problems as being their quarterback. Maybe Vasilevsky isn't having the, the and, and let's face it, he's the best goaltender on the planet. Maybe he's just not doing the things and making the amazing saves and, and bailing them out the way they're used to, and that's the difference in, I don't know, six, seven wins. It could be. No, I think that's an excellent point because you look at them last year. They won 62 games last year, whatever it was. So I think right. it was 62. And a lot of those, not a, a lot of those games they deserved. They, it could have been. Oh, they bashed uh, some teams. Yeah, yeah, they were bashing teams. But there were, there were quite a few games, too, where they would maybe be, it would be, they'd be down two to one after one, and it should have been seven to one after one. Sure. You know, Vasilevsky sure. was just incredible. And then they'd sure. turn it on in the third period and score three goals and, beat somebody mm-hmm. five to two and it looked like they dominated when they actually were outplayed for much of the game. And right. it was because of Vasilevsky. Those moments are gone. Not only are those moments gone, but these either the or games. saves are gone. Yeah, yeah. and, either, and they're, that's cost them the either or, either or games. That game against mm-hmm. Dallas recently, 
I thought yeah. that I thought that was on. He Pascal wins Lasky. that game, man. He wins yes. that game a uh, hundred out of uh, ninety nine out of a hundred times. You, you three one lead against Dallas, and and a couple of them dribbled between the five. That that just didn't happen last year. Right, that didn't happen last year, and and that's a game last year that they would have won. Not only would they have won that game. Three to, they might have won that game five to one because at True. some point their team's like, all right, screw this. We're not That's scoring. Right. We're not scoring any goals tonight against this guy. Yeah. Right. And then and then after the lightning would have blown them out after that. But when you give up a couple of leaky goals, then all of a sudden now that that damages everybody's confidence. And I'm not gonna look. I'm not gonna pin this all on Vasilevsky. I don't know way you can do that. But no, but he's not. But maybe well. he was the. But my point is, maybe he was the greatest makeup they had. Maybe he. Yeah. You know, like he was the best deodorant or whatever. I mean, whatever John Madden phrase you want to use. But the guy, <laughs> the guy was completely masking yes. so many of their deficiencies that if he's not a Superman, if he's just a above average goaltender instead of an unworldly goaltender, this is what you get. Right. And I think you can make a case for, and I, this may be totally unfair, but you go back and look at a lot of his playoff games. I want to say his goals against go slightly up in the playoffs. I'm, I, uh, somebody's going to look that up. I think say, that's no, you're, fair. You're, not, you're, gonna, you're wrong about that. It's just I've covered a lot of the playoff games over the years, and it always seemed like um, I always felt he was a better regular season goalie than a, than a playoff goalie. Mm-hmm. And I used to say that about a lot of guys, but I think they got into a lot of series where um, he would play really well. Like the Washington series they lost in the, in the seven games, there were – he won a couple, flat out won a couple of those games by himself, like literally by himself. But he also, there were games where he was going to give up. There was a moment there where it felt like every playoff game, he was giving up three. He wasn't giving up. He would never give up four or five, but he wasn't going to give up two either. He was going to give up three. And if you scored more than that, you won. If you scored less than that, you, you lost. And so this is what it's reminding me of again. It feels like you're going into every game, he's going to give up three. And I know his goals against is below that, but it just feels like, they're going to have to score a bunch of goals to win, and and those goals aren't necessarily coming. They can't flip a switch like they did. And I, this idea of well, maybe they're playing a new style, maybe they're trying different things. Whatever they're doing, it's not working. And I don't know. Like, would a coaching change change that? I honestly don't believe so because I don't think it's a, a Cooper issue or, or an effort issue. But if you made that change, I mean, it, it's going to get to a point where you got to try something, and maybe that's what you have to try. Yeah, well, I mean, again, Christmas has always sort of been that mild post, and um, we'll see how uh, we'll know so, by Amazingly, the time. they're still like, they're not out of it. They're, no. They're, they're still, I mean, I still, with, I think, in, with the, like within four points of second place of the division, which is right. you have a nice week, and you could, you could be doing, be up there again. But, but then what happens is hand, yeah. once you get into January and February and those games in hand are made up, then every game, then every game's a three-point game. All of a sudden, you you feel like you're winning every night, and you're not gaining ground on anybody. It feels like, and that's what happened a couple of years ago when they missed the playoffs. Is that they went on a tear in the second half, and it wasn't enough. They because every night they'd win a game, and somebody else would gain ground too. And it's right. just when you when you start getting to a point where not only are you points behind, but your teams behind. You're you know, climbing over teams. Yeah, climbing over teams. You, well, you get to a point in February where if there's too many teams between you and the playoffs, somebody's mm-hmm. getting points. And so it's it's hard to catch up. Yeah, and then, I mean those overtime wins against uh, teams in your division, you're giving them one point and you're taking That's right. two. That's not exactly, exactly. helping out. Exactly, you know? all these three point games just uh, end up biting you. Right. Let's talk about the Rays real quick. Uh, the man of a thousand stairs, Tommy Pham, is gone to San Diego. Santiago. You know what? I'm okay with that. I'm okay. I didn't have a big problem with that. 
Really? I, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I mean, <laughs> seriously. Come on, man. He brings more to the clubhouse than you realize. I, apparently. But yeah. I'm telling you, he was uh, – First off, we know what you know. What I'm not going to miss is him getting on base because he got on <laughs> he base more than anybody else. But he also got off base more. They than said he was else. like the the first thirty thirty and thirty guy, or What's, twenty twenty and 20, 25, 25 and twenty five guy with twenty five homers, what twenty five steals and twenty five caught caught off base. Twenty five pulled rocks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's got a locker full of rocks. <laughs> oh my gosh, he was. And, but I don't know. He was. And look, and, and I'm he, he he was one of those guys that I'm. You know, you're going to miss him because he's not there. I'm sure there'll yeah. be times next year where say, man, boy, if Tommy Pham was coming up here, because he would deliver in big situations. But um, but I, I don't know. I'd have a, I didn't have a huge problem with that. And maybe um, yeah, maybe Renfro, they got coming in. Maybe he'll give some more pop here. Then they said more, more power. What about yeah. Yashitomo Susuko? Yeah, I mean, I I saw some – Topkin had a good thing in the Times the other day where they were – Although a little bit worrisome, right? Where somebody, a couple of his ex teammates said, eh, don't be surprised if he has a little bit of a trouble adjusting to big league pitching. And I didn't realize it felt like there should be more that, like, there was somebody made a point that there haven't been that many Japanese players come into the Major League Baseball to make a huge impact. You know, you had That's true. Matsui and you had uh, Ishiro and mm-hmm. then, and now the guy in, with the Angels. Um, but other than that, uh, it's hard to find guys who've who've made big impacts. We'll see. I, I if he's anything like G Man Choi, which is the comparison that's being made in terms of his bat, then I'm okay with that. But um, yeah, probably a lot more power than G Man, I would think. But I mean, are we? You know, it's just sickening. Here, you know, Garrett Cole, you know, goes to the Yankees. Here we go. Yankees just you might as well put him in there, right? I mean, the- well, I mean, you know, that's that's what you got, and yet the the Rays won what ninety six games or whatever, and they managed to compete in the American League East, and you know, they're not going to realign. So, I got. You know, faith what I was that watching they'll, they'll the other the right night too. Speaking of the speaking of the Yankees and Garrett Cole and all that, so I'm watching uh, MLB Network, and they had like the top forty moments or whatever of 2019, and they show Chapman. Throwing a chip because they want, remember the Astros went to the World Series on Altuve hit a home run in the bottom of the whatever inning I think it was the bottom of the ninth, and he jumped on a on a Chapman changeup, and I'm like, boy, like he knew it was coming. It was so unbelievable, and even Chapman's on the mound smiling, and I'm like, these sons of bitches, man, they were cheating the whole. I still oh think yeah, they, they were. I still think they were cheating, even in the even this year they were cheating. Ugh. That makes me mad. I mean, come on, the guy that what they give up six base runners, six hits, and six at bats, or something like that in Game Five. <laughs> the guy Tyler. throws guy throws a hundred miles an hour, but somehow they're sitting on breaking balls. Okay, you see Phil Phil Hughes. Remember Phil Hughes, who was he's a big Lightning fan, by the way. But Phil Hughes, the former Twins slash right, I remember pitcher, him. Yeah, he had a great tweet right after all that stuff came out. He says, "I feel like." Um, that the Astros and every other team cheats when I'm on the mound. I heard banging every time I was pitching. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. The balls, rockets, red glare out of there. You bet it is. Yeah, um, exactly. So, uh, Tommy, you can be found on uh, pointer.org. But let's uh, let's talk real quickly. You had a uh, an interesting interview with Chuck Todd. Of course, you see him on yeah. Meet the Press and all over NBC. Don't and- Chuck Todd is my has become my Josh Freeman apparently because. <laughs> Wait. So the other day, <laughs> give well, him a hundred million. He has a hundred million dollars. Well, okay, he does. He probably does. <laughs> so yeah, he has a special coming. I was talking to him the other day. I had a special. He had a special coming up for um, uh, the first time. The words alternative facts 
were ever used were on his show or on Meet the Press. Kellyanne Conway. This was this is right after the inauguration when Sean Spicer came out and said the crowd was whatever the crowd was and it was totally wrong. And Chuck Todd asked Kellyanne Conway. She goes, oh, he was using alternative facts, which cracked everybody up. Now it's become like a phrase, alternative facts. Anyway, That's we're right. going to do a special on next week. It's going to be next Sunday on Meet the Press with Dean Baquet from the executive editor of the New York Times and Marty Barron, executive editor of the Washington Post. And they're going to talk about how that, that phrase has come about and what it means and how people actually use it to, as a weapon these days. And fake news, right? I mean, that's, yeah, yeah, that's, fake that's news, the big of, phrase. Yeah, it's, yeah, right. But anyway, so the next day, and I'd already written my year, so I'd already written a year in review, and it had nothing to do with this interview that I did with Chuck Todd. But I had to come up with a bunch of categories, like I used to do in sports, where you come up with team yeah. of the year and athlete of the year and game of the year and all this other stuff. So I did a thing for Pointer, and it's up on Pointer.org now. It's the last thing I wrote before. We're on a two-week break from Pointer. <laughs> so, so you just mailed it in. Okay. So, yeah, no, no. So I, I put this thing. So I did best best show, best TV show, news show which is like the weekly and most impactful journalist. I did a thing on Cynthia McFadden who did a bunch of work this year with kids and stuff. And so I had, I had to name a media personality of the year. So I thought about a bunch of different people and I ended up going with Chuck Todd. Just go to my Twitter if you want and, and point pointers Twitter and where it teases to Chuck Todd as the media personality of the year. And I, the columns I used blasted. to write on, oh my gosh, people hate <laughs> Chuck Todd. There's a group really? of people out there that hate Chuck Todd. And it's wow. because they feel like, here's the funny thing. Chuck Todd's sort of in the middle because the left thinks he's too easy on the right and doesn't call out the right for alternative facts, so to speak. Whereas the right thinks he's all just the same as, you know. He's complete uh, liberal. Complete yeah, liberal, bias, all yeah. part of the mainstream media that's out to get Trump. And right. he's he's in the middle and so he gets killed from both sides. And by me naming him media personality year, I'm taking all the heat for this guy. <laughs> so I had people, I seriously, I had people tell me F you. And it's, it's like, literally not like, I'm not being, that's not like, uh, I'm, they, they literally said that because I picked Chuck Todd as the uh, media personality of the year. So anyway, that's, well, what did uh, Katie Couric have to say about it? I know I didn't name Katie Couric. I should have named Katie Couric as my, uh, because everybody loves Katie Couric, right? Who doesn't? I know. Well, I can think of one person. She ran for vice president, but aside from that. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> other than that, yeah. So, but it was, uh, uh, yeah, anyway, so I took a beating from people for naming Chuck Todd my media personality of the year. But Chuck Todd sent you a nice uh, basket of chocolates? No, yeah, like that's that, the thing. Probably people think I did it because I, I talked to him the day before, and it was a total, It was one had nothing to do with the other. But So next Understood. year, I, I got I to gotta figure out who to, but, uh, yeah, it was bad. <laughs> well, we appreciate you always coming on this podcast, as you do, uh, about once every week or so, and uh, yeah. hopefully continue to make that a thing and, and through the 2020, which is coming up. So uh, you got a little time off, a little, a little vacay, a little something in the newspaper business we don't do because we publish every day. But, um, but This hey. has been the first year I've not been a sports writer. Over Although last year I, I left the paper right before Christmas. So, but That's true. But I was working up until you know pretty late in the year, and it was uh, there's there is life outside of this, man. It's unbelievable. It's, uh, yeah, it actually works out nice to have some time off at thanks at Christmas. Good yeah, for you at the holidays, yeah. And then New Year's is coming up, so yeah, man. So happy New Year too. If I, if we don't talk before then, but uh, Merry Christmas and all that. Say hi to Patty and hey, thanks for coming on again. Yeah, happy holidays.
My thanks to Tom. We'll have a Christmas Day treat for you tomorrow. We're going to let you listen to Minnesota coach P.J. Fleck, whose team plays Auburn in the Outback Bowl in a couple of days. Former wide receivers coach for one year under Greg Schiano. He went on to become the head coach of Western Michigan and now really one of the bright young stars in college football. You're going to enjoy uh, listening to him and his his uh, history and just how he's arrived to this point uh, back in Tampa after all these years, of course, for the Outback Bowl. And we'll have Diana Nero's for you on Thursday to talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning. And myself and Eduardo Encino will be breaking down the final game of the Bucs season against the Atlanta Falcons. So busy week on Sports Day Tampa Bay. For Steve Verstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Happy holidays, everybody. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 